That smooth Christian jazz you're hearing means you've tuned in to Same Old Song, the lectionary podcast of Mockingbird Ministries. I'm your co-host, Aaron Zimmerman. I'll be joined by Jacob Smith as each week we break down the lectionary readings for the upcoming Sunday to give you something to think about, and if you're a preacher, to give you something to preach about, and no matter who you are, to give you a connection to the never-changing message of God's grace for actual people like you. Unzip that monogrammed faux leather Bible carrying case and cover, pull up a chair, and let's dig in. Well, Jake, we're here. We're back. We're doing a thing. Uh, to mm-hmm. Thank you to the five listeners who remain after last, last week's episode. We're just grateful that you're hanging with us. Speaking of, don't <laughs> frown, Jake. You know, we get, we have, feel like we've been getting increasingly hot in our takes. Uh, I know, lately. I know. Just tone I, it back, tone it I, back. I will tell you that today I was out at a meeting, and when I got back, I learned that a same old song, <laughs> Devotee, one of our most uh, adoring fans, apparently was driving through Waco on his way to Austin and stopped by the St. Albans office to say hello. So... I was out. I found out about it after I got back. Uh, I, th- I think your name is Justin, if I got the memo correctly. Uh, and Justin, wherever you are, whatever you're doing, you're good enough, you're smart enough, and gosh darn it, same old song loves you. You know, Justin, I just want you to know that if you ever come by Calvary St. George's, I'll be there. So <laughs> Jake never leaves. He's always in that squeaky chair. Just <laughs> never departs. Yep. Mm-hmm. He's well the world go by so anyway just fanning um, himself and eating tacos <laughs> so yeah i'll be here for you man you uh swing by justin i'm and sorry so. i missed you come by anytime uh yeah dm me hit me up on the old twitter website good well um well and uh today's your birthday it is my so birthday that's today. exciting yep. mm. 44 D- don't years look a day old. over 43 you know so. it's that just grecian formula <laughs> Don't your hair does look chart. darker. What's going on there, man? I think so. it's because, so I'm actually recording in our annex building because mm. the office air conditioning is out. So I'm in a room that can is, you Can you explain to everybody who's not an Episcopalian what an annex is? Well, it, no, not just Episcopalians. Oh, true, true, you true. No, annex is just, you know, it's next door. It's, an annex. Yeah, an yeah, annex. It's like, yeah. No, it's not a narthex, which is a special word. Um, <laughs> it's just a regular old building next door. And it's there's room I mentioned I mean, that the other day. And, go ahead. No, 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 Jake, you go. Oh well, I know it is your birthday, but I thought I'd cut you off. <laughs> Please. So, uh, but <laughs> I uh, was I did mention the narthex the other day, and someone was like, "I have no idea what you're talking about." And uh, Sexton, that sounds really weird to me too. Yeah. Uh, so there's this really funny Simpsons where the hot new associate pastor of Springfield Christian Church asked Homer to be a deacon. He's like, what is that? Is that one of those weird Episcopalian things like a sexton or a rector? Anyways, let's let's get on with here it. Here we are. We digress. We digress. Um, Episode 212. This is yeah, uh, for Sunday, October 9th. I guess, if, you, if you added one more number one, it would be like Rush's breakthrough prog rock concept album 2112 about a mm. dystopian future and the power of music to save the world and how authoritarianism crushes the human spirit. But without that extra one, it's just 212, and that's our episode for today, in which we will talk about, on track two, 
2 Kings 5, 1 through 3, skipping verse 4, 5, and 6, then picking up with verse 7 through 15c, and then we'll go to 2 Timothy 2, 8 through 15, and Luke 17, 11 through 19. Uh, a wonderful Sunday with readings of healings, um, and especially healings for people who are not allowed to be healed, or they're kind of from the wrong side of the tracks or whatever. Mm-hmm. So we're going to talk through that. So uh, so yeah, let's begin. This this first reading is the Second Kings, chapter 5, and it is about Naaman, who is a commander of the Aramean army, and which is, um, that's, the Jor- that's Jordan, right, Jake? You know, mm-hmm. you know you're... Uh, Middle Eastern geography. Uh, Naaman? No, that's a uh, uh, Syria? Syria, my dear friend. Syria. Syria. Excuse mm-hmm. me. So Naaman the Syrian. He's in. He's he's had victory um, over the Israelites, uh, which is interesting. He's like this means he's like a bad guy, but he even though he's a mighty warrior, he's he has some skin condition which the text calls leprosy, and they capped captured a young Israelite girl. And she's Naaman's mm-hmm. servant, and uh, Naaman says in in um, uh, er, the the wife says sorry the servant says to the wife of Naaman, um, if only uh, Naaman my lord were with the prophet who's in Samaria the northern kingdom of Israel he would mm-hmm. cure him of his leprosy. So talking about the prophet Elisha, uh, and so. Um, uh, so yeah, go ahead. Yeah, and so well, uh, uh, so he writes a letter basically saying, "I'm going to come down for a visit," and of course, the king of Israel freaks out. You know, uh, this is a, a, a nerve-wracking proposition, right? And so, uh, but um, then enters the the man, the prophet Elisha, and uh, basically says, uh, "Hey, listen." Um, uh, send him on down and uh, send him to the Jordan seven times and everything will be okay. Now, if you've ever been to the Jordan, it is a, um, well, it's a muddy water. We'll just say that. It's not, um, it doesn't, it doesn't evoke uh, scenes from the Caribbean. And so it's, um, it's, uh, it's kind of a, a, a brownish gray and uh, a lot of reeds. Um, yeah, the, the parts of the Jordan that I've been to are very, very dirty. And so, um, nobody ever does Viking a... River cruises down the Jordan River. <laughs> <laughs> you're never, you're, you're never eating canapes and caviar on the Jordan River. It's sort of a glorified Join irrigation. Us on the dish. Jordan. Yeah, no. So, not, yeah, that's right. It's not that. And so, yeah, so, so Naaman, this, uh, Syrian. It is. It's basically commander. a giant canal. So, yeah, it's, and, yeah, and it's he, he's, but anyway, go the for Brazos it. River going through Waco, Texas, is bigger and more impressive than the Jordan River. Well, I was going to say, so he uh, <laughs> he um, he hears that he has to take a dip in the Jordan River, and then he'll be healed. He's indignant. He wants it to be hard. He wants it to be impressive. He wants to have to go on some vision quest in the sweat lodge and maybe uh, undergo some pain and suffering. You know, that's how gods work, right? You have to suffer for, for the gods, and then they mm-hmm. might give you what you want. Or, and, or, or it should be something glorious, like a glory quest, you know? Um, uh, you know, uh, and it's got, you know, go to the... Go to the the Jordan River? I mean, it's not that, even that, that, it's, that it's easy. Um, that place is disgusting. 
And, uh, you know, I mean, there's like a giant, probably a couple of sandals that don't match hanging on the riverbank there. You know, uh, it's a little muddy, weird little seashells that who knows where they came from and tons of reeds everywhere and uh, big horse flies. I mean, it's like, that's the place that I'm going to go and meet God and be, are you like, like, it shouldn't it be something much more glorious than that? This reminds me a little bit, I mean, there's all kinds of like silly examples, but you think about um, Luke Skywalker having to go to Dagobah and meet Yoda. Like he wants to go to some like Superman-like planet kryptonite, you know, like palace of crystal, like fortress of solitude for training with some powerful, you know, Captain America type Jedi who show him the way. It's like something kind of glorious. And yet he has to go to the swamp planet of Dagobah with this little tiny green man who doesn't even seem that smart mm. at the beginning. Um, you think about, uh, it's, it's all these like coming of age movies, but uh, Daniel LaRusso in Karate Kid wants to learn karate. And he's like horrified that Mr. Miyagi first wants to teach him how to sand wood and wax cars he wants he wants to do something cool and impressive and i think spiritually we often want we want god to work through giving us amazing things and making us look cool and have some sort of rocky-esque training montage where we get better and stronger but usually god works through things that seem insignificant and in our own experience seem like reversal seem like loss seem like difficult mm, seem like trial right. and it's you know it's as paul zoll calls the nazareth principle which you know quoting uh, in the new testament when they tell they've i think they tell nathaniel we found the messiah he's from nazareth and nathaniel says can anything good come from nazareth so this is the theology of the cross versus the theology of glory um, don't go take a dip in the Seine in the full view of the eiffel tower or the thames in the view of big ben and parliament instead go to the Jordan River, dip seven times, mm. and you'll be clean. And he does, and he's and he's And his servant literally says, had he not said, go do something like far more difficult, go do something way cooler, uh, would you have not, you know... You would have done it. Would you not have done it? And he was like, how much more when all he said to you is wash and be clean? You know, hey, man, it's that easy. So then, you know, you know I'm grace teaching is a, that easy. I'm teaching a class right now at St. Albans on Galatians, which is one of the clearest Ooh, uh, industrial strength presentations of the gospel that if if you go back to the works of the law if you think you contribute something to your own salvation then in some sense christ died for nothing and um either christ's death and resurrection really does everything it says it'll do it really washes away all your sins past present and future or it doesn't and it's very clear and and there's there's responses from the people taking the class which is always what happens when people present the gospel because the same thing happened to Paul when he presented the gospel. Like, wait a second, don't we have to do something? It can't be that easy. There's got to be something mm. I contribute. And um, which just goes to show when it comes to the gospel, as Luther said, the only thing we do contribute is sin and resistance. That's the only thing we contribute to our salvation. Mm. And, uh, and Oof, we, we, don't want it to, we don't want it to be so easy. It, it insults our pride that it's so easy. <laughs> And so, you know, and that's yeah. the beautiful thing is that when he finally does, and I love that the, that the, the scriptures tell us uh, how clean he was, like the flesh of a young boy, <laughs> and he was clean, you know. Which <laughs> is like, how so I look today I mean, on my does, 44th birthday, thanks to... I know, uh, I was going to say, I was, you had a Naaman-ish quality <laughs> to you, so, but a Naaman-esque quality to you, uh, Aaron, and your skin. Um, uh, uh, 
but uh, that treatment's working. So, but uh, the uh, the but what happens is is that he returns, and you know it is oftentimes God meeting us in the ordinary and saving us. It's God cleaning us in the ordinary um, and and making us clean that. Um, uh, opens our eyes to the fact because this is so counterintuitive. Yeah, this is not the way we would have planned it. Never. But the only response is: is now I know that there is no God in all the earth except in Israel. And Naaman ends up actually getting a dump truck and uh, backing it up to the Jordan River and and picking up a ton of uh, dirt. He gets an excavator and, and brings dirt of Israel back to Syria so that he because in those days. The, the deity was connected to the local territory. That's right. And so he wanted to That's continue right. to worship Yahweh when he got back to Syria. So thankfully, the whole, we know that the whole earth belongs to the Lord. We don't need to bring special dirt mm-hmm. to worship him. But, but he, they're really taking literally the idea of holy ground. So he takes the ground back mm-hmm. to Syria with him. We'll let him do yeah, it. Yeah, and on we'll an interesting him. note, if you've ever seen some of these churches like in Eastern Europe and stuff that are made completely out of bone... Mm-hmm. Um, there, um, the, that that's a result of that as well. Like people would come to seminaries and they would bring the Holy Land back. Uh, they would bring dirt and like incorporate that into their graveyards so that people could be buried in the Holy Land. And uh, you know, and there would just be so many bodies that eventually maybe a major flood would come along and wash everybody up. And so, in some of these places, uh, they have made um, uh, churches literally out of skeletons. Well, it's like the catacombs in Paris underneath. Uh, oh, that's super cool. I recommend everybody go there because it's uh, just skull heads everywhere. And everywhere from kings to paupers. Yeah, so and, like uh, uh, Blaise Pascal and Robespierre are buried there with long yeah. plague victims and stuff. It's been it. And we hookers and kids. everybody. Yeah, and it's, so. it's the humanity, man. <laughs> all right. And death comes for us all. But let's go to Second Timothy. Praise the Lord. I am in concurrence with that. And let's. so this is... Uh, uh, again, we're in this. We've been reading through the the, the Pauline uh, pastoral epistles. These letters attributed to Saint Paul, written to Timothy, and then Titus is the other one. Uh, but Paul, an older pastor, a mentor, writing to these younger people uh, who are also leaders in ministry, and so he's writing to Timothy, and he is uh, quoting uh, this saying about Jesus Christ: "If we have died with Him, we'll also live with Him. If we endure, we'll reign with Him. If we deny Him, He will also deny us. If we are faithless, He remains faithful, for He cannot deny Himself." And this seems to be some sort of saying that was used in the early church. Maybe it was a hymn. Maybe it was some sort of statement of faith. We would say it. But what he's he's dealing with this issue of suffering in the Christian life. And it, it's, you know, every Christian suffers. In those days, just like ours, there was always this question of why am I suffering? Why is this happening to me? Um, in those days, the suffering was much more intense. You know, these days we think we're suffering for the Lord if our Starbucks cup says happy holidays instead of Merry Christmas. But uh, here it was more like you would get arrested and killed or tortured and, or... or um, uh, threatened with torture and forcing you to recant. And Paul himself is injured suffering. So he's writing about this and saying like, you know, the reason I suffer is because I want to be able to spread the gospel. I want to continue my ministry because uh, Jesus Christ is, <laughs> he, he's the reason for the season of all the seasons. And um, he's the resurrection from the dead. So, uh, and apparently there was also an issue in this church that Timothy led where there was something Christians love to do, wrangling over words. And so Paul has some advice here for Timothy. He says, don't 
don't let him fight about this because mm. he says it does no good but only ruins those who are listening. So anything you would want to say about this, Jacobus? I would, I would say that, um, uh, you know, the, uh, the idea here and the way Paul is teaching is called a chiasm. And uh, it is, um, and the saying is sure. So if you notice, um, everybody wants to zero in on the, um, on the center point. If we deny him, he will also deny us. That's what everybody's eyes are going to go to. Uh, but the way uh, they're teaching it, it's called chiastically because it's in the shape of the Greek letter chi, which an is uh, looks like an X. And so, um, and in that in that style, the focus is not in the center word, but the emphasis. What Paul is doing here is emphasizing the fact that uh, dying with him, you live with him. Enduring with him, you reign with him. Uh, faithlessness means he's faithful because uh, he can't deny himself. And so the point there is not to focus in on the denying him, but to focus on the fact that he can't deny himself. Mm-hmm. And you in the congregation are um, baptized. Uh, you belong to him. Uh, you've been uh, sealed by the Holy Spirit in baptism, and you've marked, been marked as Christ's own forever. Mm-hmm. And uh, that is the good word, you know, uh, not wrangling over words and who's done, you know, well, did you really deny him? Have you denied him? You know what I mean? Um, which uh, does no good, but only leads to the ruin of those who are listening. The pastoral point is, if not, if we deny him, he will also deny us. But uh, uh, he remains faithful, for he cannot deny himself. And you belong to the body of Christ. Mm-hmm. That's right. Uh, and I think for the, you know, if you are in a place where you're wrangling over words, it's so amazing to me how there's nothing new under the sun. Like the church back then, you know, uh, is in its infancy was so similar to the church now where there's these debates over certain words and texts. And I'm someone who cares a lot about words, and I do think they matter, but this clearly was something about sort of secondary uh, issues and... Uh, yeah, that's right. It's, it's um, you know, did Jesus Christ rise from the dead? That's primary. That's not just wrangling over words. But there's. I other do want to say that, too. Yeah, go ahead. Uh, oh, I do want to say too that this passage in Second Timothy, and it says, you know, rightly explaining the word of truth, you know, and uh, and other translations are right. Transliterations are rightly handling the word of truth, and this is. This is preacher what you've been called to do is handle the word of truth rightly. This is um, you know not giving a bunch of people life tips, but handling the word of truth rightly so that you're not ashamed is making the proper distinction between law and gospel. You know what uh, God demands versus what He totally gives in His Son Jesus, mm-hmm. and so and uh, Paul understood that, and that's why he is encouraging Timothy to handle and uh, to be able to explain the word of truth because. Uh, so so many people can't do it anymore. I mean, I'm just going to say it. Most people in the pulpits today are preaching gospel, you know, not uh, law and gospel, but uh, like a, a mix of the two. The good news of the gospel is not loving your neighbor and uh, God. That is law. The good news of the gospel is, is in your failure to do so, he has loved and forgiven you. And... Um, and he has made you new. Uh, no longer do I condemn you. Go and sin no more. Um, this uh, this is such an important craft that we're talking about, and this is what Paul uh, Tim- yeah Paul is encouraging Timothy in this epistle. Mm-hmm. Uh, and there's a there's a, I think there's a mystery uh, a ministry largely in the Baptist world called Awana, a workman approved. Yeah, it's not ashamed. And not ashamed. So that's from this verse in. 
2 mm. Timothy chapter 2, where in our translation, NRSV, a worker who has no need to be ashamed. But that's where Awana comes you know, from, if you ever... Yeah, and I mean, and that's, uh, you know, it's, it, it is true. Uh, but there are moments when you're just like, really, am I going to talk about this again? Really, am I going to, you know, uh, make this a big deal once again? Am I going to talk about Christ crucified? Um, yeah, and you got to let that dog hunt. And that's what, because there are people out there, uh, what they lack is not works. What they lack is not, um, you know, being nice and good to neighbors. Uh, what they lack ultimately is faith. And uh, this is like the, this is the place where anxiety and everything comes from, is the lack of faith that um, God will not deny himself. Yeah. Uh, I saw recently a survey just to, to show why we need to have people who can rightly divide the word of truth and rightly present Thank the gospel. Um, There's a survey that Ooh, said... yes! That, yeah, evangelical Christians, people who identify as evangelical Christians or have beliefs that are uh, consonant with evangelical Christianity, uh, which again, it's not necessarily like, uh, you know, that has a political connotation these days. But these are folks that say, I'm somebody who believes Jesus Christ rose from the dead and you need to come in faith in him and they have a high view of scripture, all that sort of stuff. Um, and... Uh, they gave them a number of statements and said, like, you know, which of these do you think is true? And uh, th there's a, a survey that basically shows, like, 95% of Christians, evangelical Christians, uh, you know, affirm that the Bible opposes premarital sex, for example. But, um, but some ridiculously high number, like 40 to 50%, uh, are... Arians, A-R-I-A-N-S, meaning the old ancient her heresy that Jesus Christ is, you know, a divine messenger and appointed by God and all that, but not fully God, like a created being who's not fully God. Uh, so it's, so if we've, we, it seems like we've made the church mostly about behavior and especially behavior around sex and not about who Jesus is and what that means. So Anyways, uh, it, it could never, and I just, and probably in your ministry as well, in my ministry all the time, I'm, uh, I'm undoing unhelpful or flat out wrong teaching in scripture. Um, you know, God loves you, but don't get crazy, which is the opposite of what Paul says in Galatians. Um, either Christ yeah. died for well, all or he didn't. The Pew Research Center just released. Uh, yeah, that's um, what I'm talking about. Yeah, that, that uh, survey that, I mean, literally 30% of U.S. adults are now religiously unaffiliated. And uh, I was watching a um, commentary on this by a guy, a well-known uh, kind of uh, atheist, and he was like, this is a really good thing. And he was like, we're growing out of the need for gods. We're growing out of all of this. And um, he was trying to offer like an explanation of why he thought this was from an atheistic perspective. Uh, Kyle Kalinsky, and um, he, uh, you know, he said two two things that were very interesting. He said, first, um, you know, we don't need to be, we don't need religion to be moral anymore. And he, you know, and I wanted to say one, you never have. 
And so, uh, but the problem is, is that um, American evangelicals and just Amer and mainline too have made morality and piety the main thing. And uh, this is, you know, the and and the truth is, is that if Jesus is just an example, and it's all about like piety and behavior modification and morality. And he said, well, what is the difference between Jesus and everyone else? What do I need this for? Be good for goodness sake. Sure. Yeah. Um, but the other thing that he said was, which I thought was really interesting, and here's where he's totally wrong. Um, and Kyle, I hope you're listening. <laughs> he said that, um, he said, because uh, I listened to you, um, but uh, he said that um, he thinks the other reason why a lot of people are leaving religion is because things have been very difficult. We're seeing economic downturns. Uh, people are living in, you know, um, uh, in the midst of heavy-duty inflation, especially coming out of a pandemic. And people are asking these questions, well, where is God and why is he allowing this to happen? And uh, I wanted to say to him, well, actually, Kyle, it's moments in that that people actually turn to something greater than themselves. And this preacher is why you cannot drop a bunch of morality on people. Uh, as Luther said, morale, piety is the devil's whore. <laughs> and uh, it just doesn't play. And uh, what people need to hear, they need skilled preachers who can handle the word of truth rightly and uh, who can make the distinction between law and gospel and give people that balm and Gilead, the Christian distinctive. Amen. Well, Jake, you to, <gasps> I know you need to like take a break, some Gatorade or something. No, I'm just kidding. That Let's was a lot. finish this up. I love it. All right. So we'll bring it home with our Lord Jesus Christ in the gospel according to St. Luke. Luke chapter 17, verses 11 through 19. Jesus is on his way to Jerusalem. That is very important because he only goes to Jerusalem to do one thing, which is to die and rise again. Die. So he's going to Jerusalem to die, and he's going uh, between Samaria and Galilee. So remember, we just heard of Samaria. It's the northern kingdom of Israel. Uh, it's now sort of seen as uh, less than by the southern kingdom of Israel, the, the people in Judah and Jerusalem. Uh, and he, ten lepers approach him, and they say, have mercy on us. And he says, go show yourself to the priests. Uh, and it says, as they went, they were made clean. One of them who was healed, turned back and praised God and thanked Jesus and bowed at Jesus' feet. And he was a Samaritan. That's important. He was mm -hmm. somebody who was seen as like not a good, holy, pure Jewish not person. Not just a Samaritan, but a leper a, too. A leper and a Samaritan. And then Jesus mm -hmm. says, were the ten Double not made clean, but the other nine, where are they? Were none of them found to return and give praise to God except this foreigner? And then he says, get up, go on your way. Your faith has made you well. So the kind of default and maybe easy obvious way to preach this is like jesus wants you to be like this samaritan and make sure you praise god with a loud voice that you thank jesus morality yeah kind of turn it into morality like are you devoted to the lord like this good leper who's healed uh who turns around and says thank you or are you like a selfish one of the nine who doesn't turn back and say thank you to jesus um and make sure you let me give you let me end my sermon with five ways to practice the spiritual discipline of gratitude um and that is not the point of this passage is gratitude good yes will it be psychologically and emotionally healthy for you to regularly practice gratitude yes but again is that the point of this no because the reason it falls flat is because Jesus has no clawback principle. If you know what a clawback <laughs> is, like in executive compensation, yeah. 
if you're a CEO or some C-suite executive and you do something wrong, uh, you know, they'll claw back your pay because you violated the contract. Jesus doesn't claw back the healing. It's not like they forget to say thank you to Jesus and suddenly the leprosy comes back. Ah, like that would be, that would be like Aesop's fables. Like, you know, make sure you say thank you or you'll get punished. And like, and so the fact that that doesn't happen here indicates that this is not just about be a good little person who says thank you to Jesus. It's about the radicality of Jesus's healing um, that all these lepers, even a Samaritan, get healed, and lepers are seen as this kind of gross and spiritually unclean group of people. And but the, the um, uh, sorry, the apocalypse is coming my way. Okay. But. The, well, the other thing I would say is the um, uh, actually I can't I can't it, I'm sure Jake you're referring oh, to sirens outside, but I actually can't hear it for once. But uh, oh, amazing! I know you can soundproof your windows. But the thing that so Jesus heals everybody, which is kind of point number one. And the reason, the, the, the main thing in the story is the fact that the reason, uh, I think the story is showing us that the Samaritan comes back and says thank you, is because the Samaritan was the one who was the lowest on the totem pole. Um, he was, you know, what we seem to gather here is the other nine are like good kind of quote unquote normal Jews uh, who were raised on the right side of the tracks and with the benefit of all the stuff that comes with that. Uh, and this Samaritan, the sort of nasty for, foreigner type, um, because he is someone who has been raised in an environment where he knows he's seen as less than, where he knows he doesn't have the levers of power, he's not a person of privilege, he is the one that returns to say thank you because he is aware of his need and his sort of, um, that this is, he, he realizes this is pure grace and that transforms his heart and he wants to come back and praise Jesus. The others, yeah. equally healed, um, maybe have not yet gotten to the point in their lives where they realize um, they really, that it's all grace and it's not because they've contributed anything to it. The Samaritan is already at that point because he's a Samaritan. He knows that Jesus is a Jewish guy. That's why they say, um, you know, they know Jesus, Yeshua, Joshua, Master, have mercy on us. Um, they realize he's a holy man. and, and But the fact that yeah. this Samaritan knows he's seen as secondary, less than, he's he's ready to receive the he, he displays this response to grace because he knows his lack of preserving it. Yeah, there's a, well, first of all, a little plug, shout out to Dave Zoll and his new book, Low Anthropology. Uh, what this illustrates is, is that thankfulness is not something that's intrinsic, intrinsically a human quality. Um, you know, I mean, just think about your own kids when you were raising them up. You know, none of them ever said thank you. You always said, hey, say thank you, say thank you. Um, just think about all the, the Christmas cards you have to write, like, you know what I mean? And like, you just how resentful you are about that. Um, you know, with thankfulness, there are moments of thankfulness in our lives. You know, I remember one time, like, I didn't get hit by this, like, bike messenger who was on the sidewalk flying down. And there, like, it, if he would have hit me, it would have killed me. And I was like, thank you, God. You know what I mean? But it's a, thankfulness is a fleeting emotion. And so, uh, but the, uh, so, but one, how do they know that the Messiah is in their midst? Not just the healing, but the, he tells them, go and show yourselves to the priest. Uh, the sat, that like the requirements to thank God for, uh, the sacrifice of, um, like the requirements to thank God for the healing of leprosy in the Old Testament, it's in Leviticus somewhere, is insane. It's impossible. The point is, is that this would have showed the priests as well, holy crap, the Messiah is on the scene. Um, and so, but nonetheless, like thankfulness is not not like a natural thing. And as you said, you gotta really know, uh, 
you know, where you're at on the totem pole. This kind of like relates back to earlier where Jesus was like giving table seating, you know, situations. Sit at the end because that's where you belong. You know, there's no way that this Samaritan can even do anything, you know? I mean, it is like when you realize how little you actually have in the grand scheme of things and how much God has actually given you in his gospel, all of his grace, all of his love, all of his mercy, uh, thankfulness does not become something that naturally arises with us within us, but it becomes supernatural within us. It yeah. literally becomes a fruit because it's not something we would ever do on our own. Yeah, and you know his statement, Jesus' statement at the end, "Your faith has made you well." It's clearly not a statement that because you believe strongly enough, your leprosy has been healed, because his leprosy had already yeah. been healed. The leprosy right. of all of them had been healed. Um, and it's um, the life of gratitude yeah it's yeah. this your your faith you're like you're returning to me and this active uh kind of confession of my lordship and this um you know giving yourself to the lord essentially like this this yeah. has this has healed you from the inside out this has given you a new heart a heart of flesh that's instead right. of a heart of stone that's what he's talking that's about. an excellent point everybody there has been the other nine were healed from the outside in uh, but yep. this Samaritan has been healed from the inside out. And really, that is what the Christian faith is all about. Um, yep. And going back to what we said, and one of the reasons why it's on such the decline, so many people think it's about what you do that ultimately defines you. And what this Samaritan illustrates is what has been done for him. And what's been done for you, dear listener, uh, is ultimately what heals you, makes you whole, and defines everything in God's eyes, where he says, uh, your faith has made you well as well. As you said, there is a balm in Gilead, and as the hymn says, it heals the sin-sick soul. And that's Amen. what's happened here. Gosh. All right, listener, we'll receive well, that balm in Gilead for you, and if you are a preacher, uh, give the give it to your, to your congregation the as well. That's right. And um, we'll see you next week. God bless. And Justin, again, if you're out there, this episode's dedicated to you. All right. Somebody's looking. Somebody cares. Somebody wonders what you're doing today. You know we crucified him, buried him, but three days later, well, the stone got rolled away. And yes, Thanks for listening to Same Old Song. Hope you found some gospel nuggets for the pulpit or for your life. If you like what you heard, leave a review or rating in Apple Podcasts. Dave Zoll will be sad if you don't. Thanks to TJ Hester for audio production, and remember to keep that Bible by your bedside, ready to rock and roll.